0: Your next game is going to be delightfully puzzling. And here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to how do we use puzzles in a D&D campaign? Just don't do it. And uh, how do you get proper revenge on the shit-ass DM who tries to use puzzles on you? <laughs> and how do you not spend the better part of your week trying to plan a creative, well-made puzzle? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother Travis, so you've clearly got some deep-seated issues around puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it lightly. yeah, puzzles suck. Don't use puzzles. Puzzles used poorly suck uh well, yes you're you're the temperate one of the two of us, the level head, but in my mind, puzzles are they can they can kill a game if yeah. used poorly. yeah, they can. And I think that's a fair point because when somebody's wronged once by a poor puzzle master... They become murderous. I was going to say they become permanently jaded against puzzles, such as... <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> this is a jab at my expense. Yes, all of them are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's fine and that's fair, but I personally feel like they're kind of creativity killers. Like when I get on a good roll... In a role-playing game, yeah, throwing a puzzle at me, I don't know, there's just something I don't like about it. Yeah, it puts you in a different state of mind. And I think in this episode, we can explain some of those issues. And potentially find ways that we could use these in a game without turning somebody into me? Yes. Dear listener, let's find a way to make sure you don't become Travis. (laughs) Because that's a terrible road to walk. Hurtful. (laughs) Okay, let's get all of this stuff out in the air. Let's air this dirty laundry that we have around puzzles. Okay, sure. So puzzles can be incredibly unpredictable. As a DM, you know, I've used puzzles before. To my great regret, because there is nothing worse than having a game come to a complete dead stop. Oh, it, send, it makes my stomach just like gnawed up because I'm like, oh, I didn't plan for this. What do I do now? There are so many scenarios that throwing a puzzle into a game ends with. One of them is your entire table looking at you quizzically going, what the hell, man? Like, why (laughs) have you done this? Uh, There's another one where the, the party refuses to stop trying to solve the puzzle and is like taking stabs in the dark and they don't know what to do and you don't know how to give them the hint. And the game has come to a crawl. And uh, Josie over there in the corner, she's back on her cell phone. It just it, it has the potential to destroy a quest. Yeah, for sure. And gets everybody out of the mindset that they're in. I think one of my biggest problems with it and what causes that feeling is you all sat down and agreed to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And there's rules that go with that. And most of them around creativity and role playing, like you're saying. And then what you're doing when you had a puzzle is saying hey here's a game that none of you agreed to play it's got different <laughs> rules and i'm just gonna set it down in the middle of this one i mean if you sat down with a group of people and said hey i've got, i brought jenga let's play jenga and everyone says yeah let's play jenga and then i pull out a sudoku puzzle that i demand that you solve before you can take your turn in <laughs> jenga <laughs> that's surprising yeah. and shocking and as far as crazy fun adventure quests What if the movie The Fellowship of the Ring ended at the door to the Undermountain when nobody could figure out what the answer to that crazy teaser was? Like the next two hours of that movie were just them sitting and saying, Oh, God, I wonder if it's this. (laughs) Ah, let's try this. (laughs) Ah, shit, that's not it. Then they start getting more agitated with each other because they can't solve it. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody made the uh, knowledge check required to remember the bit of lore that fits into the riddle on the door. Samwise is crying and Frodo just turns around and starts going the long way around. Gandalf grabs an eagle flight back to wherever he hops, a, hops an eagle Uber. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's tempting as a DM to throw some puzzles in because in these adventure stories and movies, we see puzzles go down real well. And it's a very cool part of the story. But I think the reason for that is when you're watching a story unfold and you have no involvement in it, you see a puzzle come up and you say, oh, that's a neat puzzle. Well, good thing it's going to be solved for me in 20 seconds and I can move on with this story. So my other major challenge with puzzles is that I am playing a role-playing game. So if I want to play a charismatic bard, I personally... Cannot play an instrument, nor am I tremendously charismatic. And you're poorly groomed and bald. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Toss those in while you're at it. But I can roleplay that. And if I'm not incredibly talented with puzzles, like you're asking me to apply real world skills to a thing in a fantasy role playing game. Yeah, exactly. That's that whole like we're asking for your skills as a player rather than Yeah. The character skills. And also, I'm a relatively clever person, but I'm clever long term. When you put me on the spot, I shit myself and I go, no, (laughs) I can't do this. (laughs) Shit yourself. That's why I don't run puzzles for Travis specifically. Well, because you learned (laughs) that if you piss me off, I start plotting to murder you. (laughs) I think the final point I want to make is that puzzles are inherently good for the asker. Ooh. The person that comes up to you with a riddle and asks it and then they sit there smugly with that look on their face (laughs) as you're like i don't know the answer to your riddle tell me so that this can be in my past (laughs) (laughs) can we move on (laughs) both of us will be happier when we can forget this ever happened but my point is that unless you as the dungeon master put some proper puzzle building theory into it and intentionally make good for the players you're just doing it for you to lord this superiority over people that don't know the answer, even though, uh, you know, me as a DM, I looked it up online and now I can sit there smugly at the end of the (laughs) table being, these dummies don't know the answer. Yeah, you didn't solve anything yourself. You just found the answer and now you're acting like you knew the answer. So again, we're talking about puzzles in this episode, but this is actually a two-parter. So this first one's going to be about how to include puzzles that challenge people in different ways then creativity, which is the default D and D way. And the next episode's gonna be about how to create puzzles that actually fit into that framework and feel like a part of the game. You better bring the friggin' heat if you expect me to sit through two episodes of puzzles. <laughs> all right, I'll do my best. But you are also a part of this. But we're going to try. I'm gonna try and put aside all of my unbridled rage, and we're going to try to redeem puzzles. Yes. Absolutely. All right. There's a way. So we can do that in the strategy stateroom. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So you find yourself a good concept for a puzzle and you're thinking about adding it to your game. Or you find one on Reddit or something like that. Yeah. And in theory, you go, oh, this is sweet. That's a great puzzle. Sounds good. I'm going to run my players through it. I have found those before, and I genuinely want to add some of them to my games. But before you do, pump the brakes because there are some steps. Determine what kind of puzzle you want to add to your game. You want to start easy, make the goal crystal clear, give lots of feedback, build the puzzles into the world, but make it clear that it's a separate thing, have a plan for failure, and have an alternate route. All right, so let's dive into those steps and break them down so that they make some sense. Absolutely. So the first step is determining what kind of puzzle you want to add. So these can take a lot of different forms. If we kind of run through some of the top ones, you've got logic puzzles like Sudoku. The logic segment of my brain does not work very well. (laughs) That is for sure. I'm pretty sure that's by design. (laughs) You've done that very specifically over the years. I've neglected it (laughs) until it's a tiny little atrophied. Yeah. And logic puzzles are good because there's only one way that you can solve them. And I think we're going to save this one for a little bit later because we've got this really cool resource for logic puzzles. So set that one aside. The next one is math puzzles. Even better. I hate math. (laughs) Don't use math puzzles. But math puzzles are good for like solving the value of X. And... Honestly, I struggle to work these into D&D in any natural way. Yeah, because I mean, unless you're just putting groups of things in front of the players and telling them to (laughs) figure out, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, math is already in D&D. Let's leave that one alone. So then you have mechanical puzzles. These ones are a little bit more fun. They're the basis of a lot of puzzle games that I've played. Yeah, an example would be like those toy store style wire puzzles. Or like Rubik's Cubes are a mechanical puzzle. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be really fun to give one of those at the table, like to actually buy one of those mechanical puzzles and let somebody solve it. Yeah, like that player that's super disengaged and generally doesn't maybe enjoy participating in, say, the typical role play challenges or like they're the ones that are usually just kind of sitting out for the majority of the game. But every once in a while they jump in there. You could keep them busy by giving them an elven lockbox that once they figure out the the pattern and they solve the Rubik's cube, you're going to reward them with a cool ring or something like that. And it's still a way of keeping them engaged in the game. Totally. Alternatively, give them outside of the game. Take this puzzle home and your player is working on this, oh. your character is working on this in between the <laughs> sessions. And when you figure it out, you get a special prize. I mean, yeah, especially since some of those are super challenging. Oh, yeah. And unless your brain is just built for that, then it takes a long time sometimes. Well, and that's why that's such a challenge to work into D&D, any kind of mechanical puzzle, Because they do take a long time to figure out. And it's not one of those things you can have be the block forward, as we've mentioned before. Like, this is a side challenge, not the main challenge. So then you also have trivia puzzles. An example of this would be, like, the players coming up with what is the region of the world that these certain trees are from. And maybe a druid's knowledge could figure that out. So you're talking in-game trivia. In-game trivia. Is that based on roles then, or...? Like, how would they have that trivia knowledge? Is this testing the character or testing the player? That's the challenge with adding these kind of puzzles in there. Does the player have this knowledge of some lore of the realm? Or does the character have some knowledge? And are you just going to end up making this just a, a straight role, a knowledge role? Hmm. But I could still see working this into a game somehow with using say symbols of the gods of the realm on a big door and the only way through the door is to press the symbol that represents a certain clue of a certain god so in this way you can quickly have an aside for the rest of the players to say touch the symbol that represents this god they just open up the book scan through the pantheon and go oh this is the god of law okay so this is almost a way to teach that lore trivia it could it very well could be yeah this could be really good too if you include trivia that you've already covered in the game yeah stuff that's already come up and and then you work it into a trivia puzzle like that yeah and i don't know like this is this is the part that i struggle with so much around puzzles is yes you could absolutely work in what is the name of the duke's nephew If it came up in game and now you've got a player that is really good at taking notes and now they're scanning back through notes. What was that? That was really good. Yeah. But if the conditions aren't perfect, that falls apart almost immediately. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but my notes are usually shit. Yeah. Good intentions, but it's not a strong suit. So then you have word puzzles. So those are like crosswords. And so I could easily see this working into a game as four big tumblers on a door each with different letters. So it's it's like a big combination lock or something like that. Yeah. You know, like those word combination locks. So maybe one of those tumblers is actually stuck on the right letter and you got to figure out the remaining three. If there's like a theme to it, maybe they could figure it out. Well, then the next one you have is pattern guessing. So this is like so you see four numbers in a sequence and then that sequence changes for the next set of four numbers and then the next set what is the the last and a good example of this is like no man's sky has one of these questions or puzzles just before you gain the benefits of a of a certain chest that you're opening for instance so these are fairly straightforward it's for to me they're really hard to work into lore i'm not sure why uh, an ancient lich would guard his scepter with a, a pattern puzzle. But I mean, it is really easy to fantasize this one. That's a word I made up. That Yeah, you definitely did. Fantasifies. You can make it into colors or symbols that relate to the lore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just have to be those straight numbers. That's fair. But then there's so many other elements that that's relying on your players understanding so then the final one is riddles don't use riddles riddles suck fine yeah i mean i think the reason riddles are so tricky to work in is because it seems like a category of puzzle but like anything's a riddle (laughs) there's infinite answers the answer could be anything you as a human have ever experienced well and every riddle that i've ever seen and i've guessed and i've sat there and really thought about it and somebody's asking me the riddle and i I stew over it for a day or two and then i go god damn it i figured it out it's this and then they go "Eh, no (laughs) yes it works within the rules that you set within the riddle well that's not the answer that was written online yeah i don't give a shit it still works so you accept it And I think that's the core frustration of playing D&D too, is when you as a player think of something cool and the DM says, no, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah. No, but it works with the rules. It works. So just let it happen. Yeah. And I think if you ever incorporate riddles in a game, you have to just accept the first (laughs) one that you, even if it's not what you were expecting, you just go, yeah, that sounds about good. Let's move on with our (laughs) lives, okay? (laughs) And I guess the final note before choosing the puzzle that you want to use is don't do all of the prep work before asking your players whether or not they're even into any of these. Yeah. And get a resounding yes from them saying, yep, we freaking dig trivia puzzles. Let's include them in the game. And if you have a couple players that say that they don't prefer them, don't beg them to put them in don't punish them for being those players later on and if you Just do expect them to fully disengage yeah when this comes around so yeah figure out the skill that's challenged by your puzzle of choice and here's the next super crucial step is to ask your players if they'd be open to this type of puzzle this to me feels like the most important step uh not only for the preservation of life but also <laughs> exactly <laughs> But also, I feel like there is this idea from DMs that tells them not to talk to their players about adding puzzles into their game because there's this like sense of surprise that you want to like shock or stun your players with at some point in the game. Oh, twist. There's a puzzle in front of us. There's a locked door and we have to figure out these cryptic symbols. However, I would challenge that with the premise that a joke's punchline is great because of the buildup. So if you talk to your players before throwing a puzzle at them, that's kind of like the buildup. They know that there's something coming. And trust me, it's not going to ruin the surprise in the long run about what kind of puzzle. You just ask them straight out, what kind of puzzles do you dig? Do you dig logic puzzles? Do you dig math problems? Do you dig word problems like a riddle? What can I put into this game that everyone's going to be happy with? Because that's what you do when you start playing D&D. You sit down and if anyone's new to D&D, you say, OK, this is a game about role playing and these spells and mechanics. And are you OK with all of that? Yes. Let's continue. Yeah. So this is just another step in that process. And if you get resistance from more than well, I mean, if you one get, person, if you get resistance from somebody that says, no, I really don't like logic puzzles then maybe just don't include those. Is that really so bad? It's no no slight to the DM. I don't think a DM is necessarily bad if they throw, try and throw a puzzle at me, but I will disengage because fuck that noise. <laughs> Honestly, I'm realizing it now. I'm an awful player. Yeah, not easy. All right. <laughs> so the second step is to start easy. Start real easy. Whatever puzzle you found online, scrap that and go for the easiest of the easy puzzles that you can find. And there's nothing wrong with feeling like you've conquered a puzzle. And that's why I like starting easy because it doesn't matter how excruciating a puzzle was. I'm still going to feel this mild sense of accomplishment once I figure it out. Yeah. You know, you've got the the golden chalice is somewhere in the room and a DC-5 investigation check allows you to find it. And there happens to be... A chalice-shaped hole in the wall. I'm still going to feel a little (laughs) bit accomplished when I go, hey, shape is shape. Shape, it looks like like shape. And if you just throw one of those into their adventures, then down the road, you can do a more complicated puzzle with that same mechanic that they're more ready to solve. For anyone who's ever played Portal, they didn't start with some of the craziest of the endgame puzzles or challenges, off the hop your first task was to pick up the portal gun yeah. and shoot it at a wall that's right there labeled as wall basically the only reason that game worked is because there was incremental challenges that had you just add on one extra little baby step on the last puzzle that you solved and if they hadn't have done it that way and plopped me into one of those harder ones would have thrown the game down wouldn't have liked it wouldn't have understood it And I would have come away thinking I'm a stupid idiot. See, now you're me when I'm faced with puzzles. (laughs) Next is make the goal crystal clear. Don't make figuring out the purpose of the puzzle a part of the puzzle. And I don't think that has to be too hard. But just, you know, if they come into that room with the chalice that needs to go in the wall, just say like, okay, so there's one way out of this room. There's a door at the other end. There's a hole in it. What? (laughs) Yeah. And it's. It's shaped like this. Yeah. What does this look like to you? you? You you see the hole and you think that looks like some kind of a keyhole. That's going to give the players a very clear indication of what they're supposed to do. And when you describe the shape of it, I get a sense of, and I get to come up with that creative answer. Wow. Interesting. That shape kind of looks like a cup. I'm glad I thought of that. Yeah. It wasn't the DM feeding me ideas. It was me. I came up with it. Sweet. Now I have to roll an investigation, I'm going to go find it, done, and I feel pretty good as a player. Clarifying that goal is so important, and knowing what the reward is if I figure it out is also going to drive me forward and just give me that sense of purpose in what I'm supposed to do. If I like the chalice example, because in this scenario, there's a hole and it's shaped like a cup and I'm going to look around this room for a cup. But if there was a cup and a bunch of other things that were shaped kind of similarly, and I don't quite understand what relationship they have to do because there's also, not only is there a hole, but there's also a spot for some gears, and then there's some levers, and then there's some other stuff (laughs) in there, I'm not going to know what to do. And the more complex and crowded and ambiguous my goal is, the less I'm going to engage with it. So keeping it... Dead simple. I got to get through that door. And in order to do that, I have to find something that fits in that hole. Yeah. Done deal. (laughs) And in that journey of figuring out what to do, I think it's super important to give feedback if there's more than one single step to the puzzle. This kind of comes from game design. In any good puzzle game, there's a cue that you're doing the right thing. From Tetris, when you see, you know, you see the piece fit. And the line goes away. Oh, cool! That's an indication I'm doing things well. If if instead the camera just like moved up or something like that, that wouldn't be a very satisfying yeah cue that you're doing well. Well, and even think to uh one of our one of my favorite puzzlers, uh, Uncharted. Every time there was something there for you to discover, a little musical cue played, and you would you would press the button to look in a direction. Yeah. You didn't have to study the entire room. At some point, the game said look over here. Let me draw your attention to this. And I think DMs can do this in really subtle ways without being too obvious. Imagine just tapping your fingers and getting into a rhythm hmm. of doing that when a player was on to something. Hmm. I wonder if <laughs> a, a, some kind of cup is supposed to go in there and then you just drum your <laughs> fingers on the table and, oh, I think we're on to something. <laughs> don't even have to overtly explain that to players i think they'll figure it out again in the in the effort to have players moving forward and having fun you don't need to make that kind of a trick either no that's fair you can just flat out say that hey yeah. that's a great idea yeah <laughs> imagine that imagine it's that simple i think the the takeaway there is just help your players along yeah if there's any kind of struggle because you don't want to sit there silently and smugly like an evil ruler I've literally had a DM do that before. Yeah, and it's not fun. Oh, I and this is where my murderous bent came from. So then we have to build them into the world, make them feel real, like they belong there, because puzzles can stand out. But there's a fine line to toe here because you also have to make sure that it is a separate thing. Like, going back to your point about hey, I've signed up to play this role-playing game, and then you just threw this extra game at me. Yeah. We need to differentiate to make sure that everyone realizes this is kind of like an aside. Right. This is a fun mini game. It's not the game. You have to separate it from... I mean, in D&D, every problem can be solved with creativity. You just have to think of something creative to do that the DM will say yes to that falls into the game rules. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want them to stop using that mindset in a puzzle, you have to be explicit. Yeah, it's almost like the aside or like when a character breaks the fourth wall and just says like, hey, kids, (laughs) we're going to do this now. Yeah. Like it's that kind of obviousness of like, hey, okay, I've got a fun little mini game for you. Hey, everyone, let's take a moment from our role playing and let's figure out this puzzle. Because if you don't do that, as soon as you think there's no way that your players are going to break your puzzle with creativity and D&D rules, you're wrong. (laughs) There's a spell to do just about anything. And if you throw a puzzle at me, say a big locked door with a whole bunch of glowing runes on it, the first thing I'm going to do, because I'm a person that hates puzzles, (laughs) I'm going to try and blow that bastard up. And if you can't, as the wizard, you'll ask me, the massive barbarian with a giant magic hammer and the strength of 10 John Wicks. Smash it down. Yeah, we're... We're going through all of our tools before we start using whatever tools <laughs> you've attempted to lay before us. Whereas as the DM, if you said, hey, I've constructed this fun puzzle. Let's take a moment to try and figure it out. Then me, I'm going to put my murderous rage aside for a little bit. And and I'm and going to cooperate go, a little bit. I'll get into this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the next point is that you have to absolutely plan for failure. So planning for failure... Feels a lot like, to me, knowing that there is some stakes to this puzzle, or that if I don't get this particular door open, that X will happen. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that if you're going to throw a puzzle at me, the other thing that's going to keep me invested is knowing what will or will not happen should I be able to figure this puzzle out. So you've got me, puzzle hater. I'm sitting there and I'm about to cross my arms and completely disengage. But you as the DM, if you throw the possibility of failure at me, uh, if you don't figure this puzzle out, the room will lock forever. Oh, all right. So no one will ever get in there if we attempt this puzzle and fail. Mm. Interesting. Okay, there's stakes now. It's not just the end of your adventure, or it's not just, well, we'll move on, but I need some kind of reason to get fully invested to help the rest of my party figure this this riddle out. From like a character motivation standpoint. Well, that and as a person. Yeah. If, if I know that there's no reason to help the party with this as a person, I just go, eh, who really gives a shit? The other four of them will figure it out. <laughs> and to me, I think planning for failure also means the story can still go on when they fail. That's true. That builds on the final point, which is having an alternate route. Yeah. Because if they can't figure this out, then what? Because this is one of the biggest challenges I think of a lot of DMs when they try to throw a puzzle into the game is... Shit, I didn't plan for them to not figure it out. It's so obvious. Why aren't they figuring it out? Yeah. I don't know what other clues I can give them other than literally telling them the answer. So what do I do? That's the first couple big puzzles I tried to run. And when they get halted, I just feel like the worst DM.
1: Yeah. It that's sucks.
0: A, that's a feeling I wouldn't wish on anybody. Yeah. So having some kind of alternate route. And what this means is if we're going to throw a puzzle at our players having some other potential for them. Say they're infiltrating a goblin lair, and one of the puzzles is a weird stick contraption that they've rigged underneath the secret passage that your party found out about. Well, if they can't figure out that puzzle, this weird stick moving to the proper tile or whatever, if they can't figure out that puzzle, then they have to go through the front door which means that there's going to be more opposition and maybe a little bit more combat, but they're still going to be able to do it. There's alternative routes. And I think another way to think about that is like, if you're going to put a puzzle in the game, have it be something extra. Yeah. Have it be a way for things to be better or easier. Have it give them loot. Like another potential there is like, another potential there is going back to the locked door If you have the main door that is actually unlocked, but you have a side door that leads to the secret loot chamber Mm. and put the puzzle there instead, then they work on it for as long as they want. And when they start to rip out their hair, they can just continue on with the game. Absolutely. All of this is to prevent people from sitting there all night trying to solve one of your ridiculous puzzles. And at some point, somebody, when they do get fed up, We'll just stop trying because they know there's another alternative. And when as a player, when I get to that, I'm tired of this puzzle point, I can't even get back into the role playing D&D side of it. Oh, you're done almost for the evening. You're mentally tapped out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's another point that we didn't bring up in this is that if you tax me mentally in one area, I'm probably not coming back to the other. Yeah, because this does require such a shift of the way we think i'm going into this game creatively trying to role play and you've shifted my other side of my brain over into the into the driver's seat yeah and if i can't successfully navigate shifting back oh man like you say i'm done for the entire night yeah you better just play some youtube videos for me does anyone play dnd in the morning wonder why it's automatically night <laughs> so remember that this is how to add a puzzle that uses other skills than D&D typically does. However, since this is a one part of a two part, in the next part, we're going to figure out how to actually build a really good puzzle that fits into D&D, that feels like it's supposed to be a part of a DD and d game rather than just an aside. And it challenges people on creativity. What if you are listening to this episode and you're thinking, okay, good points, ding-dongs. But I still (laughs) want to put a puzzle into my game. And I don't know what puzzle to put in there. Well, luckily, there's a second segment, and that is Temple of Inspired Hands, where we're going to talk about exactly that. This is the Temple of Inspired Hands, where amazing products and revolutionary ideas are brought to light. All right, so we've established that you're going to do it anyways. You're going to throw some puzzles into your game, specifically logic ones, because fuck riddles. Riddles suck. What is... (laughs) No, don't even start. Don't ask me a riddle. I will punch you right now. I'm going to Google a riddle, everyone. Don't Don't let Travis talk while I Google a riddle. Of all of the potential puzzles, I hate logic puzzles the least. So D&D logic puzzles could absolutely use a step-by-step. I'm made of eight letters, but hold a ninth inside. Pay a very small fee and send me for a ride. What am I? Oh, my God. (laughs) Just the smugness of that riddle in and of itself. I can't ask a riddle without being smug. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's impossible. impossible. Jinx. All right. So... If you're gonna include a logic puzzle, never riddles, you need a you need some kind of step by step. I do, anyways. Yeah. Cause Jesus. Wing that? No. No way. If you don't want to spend a better part of a week trying to create one, there is a great guide. And you can actually find this at dungeonvault.com. And we came across this a while ago, and it was really quite an ingenious system for creating logic puzzles of varying difficulty. And like we said, you can start very easily. But essentially, it, it all builds around creating a logic puzzle grid. And what's really neat about this is that it can actually be done on the fly. Yeah, yeah, if you're quick enough. I would probably still take the time to plan a note because it would oh, take yeah. like five minutes to plan out. yeah. You could practice it for sure as a DM, go in, practice it out, do a couple of them yourself and then see kind of what, how it works. However, what's really neat about this system is that you can mix and match. So it doesn't just have to be certain kinds of hints. You could figure out a way to add a logic puzzle to a mystery, murder mystery whodunit. Yeah. You could add a logic puzzle to a chest you with varying locks you could do all kinds of different things and that's what this system is so good at doing and the really cool thing is that the step-by-step guide is completely free it's a little bit tricky to explain in an audio format and we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty but it's just like it's the framework without any details on top of it you do that and then like travis said you do any details on top and it becomes a part of your world yeah it's so immersive as well. Like it doesn't have to feel like an aside, which sounds absolutely nuts that I'm actually saying that right now, (laughs) that you can work a logic puzzle flawlessly into a game. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to try and build your own, what's also really cool is that Dungeon Vault has a bunch of pre-made locks and riddles and dungeon puzzles and all kinds of stuff for sale. And... What's mega cool is like you can buy each one of the the packs for like 5 bucks. Yeah. But they have an option where you can buy literally everything and have puzzles for any experience you need it for. So for 20 bucks, you get pre-made lock puzzles, dungeon puzzles, rune puzzles, floor puzzles, rune stone puzzles, potion puzzles, uh, laser puzzles, <laughs> wilderness puzzles, all kinds of you get some fortune teller tarot decks you get 101 riddles and 101 prophecies you get the whole shebang for 20 bones yeah and then you never have to think about making your own logic puzzles again yeah so we just bought a, a really cool piece of this uh this whole bundle and i'm really excited to dig into it all right so again join us next episode where we're going to discuss puzzles that are part of the D rules if jordan lives that long I won't ask you any more riddles (laughs) until then. (laughs) And we're going to say thanks for another review that we got. This one's from Big Brother Ed, and it's, and it goes as such. Absolutely what I was looking for. Five stars. Players and DMs that love the game, dissecting it, sharing their opinions and reasons for loving the game, all while giving fascinating advice on how to add to our games. Inspirational and an addictive listen. Ten stars. 10 5 star so 50 stars 50 stars (laughs) Ed you and your 50 stars have warmed my cold callous indifferent dead heart we shovel them into the coal furnace (laughs) that keeps this podcast room twice as hot as it needs to be Well, I thought you were going a different direction <laughs> there. I thought you, you were shoveling them into me to keep me from... Keep your evil heart pumping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks, Ed. That means the world. Keep them coming. We really hope you in particular have continued to enjoy this podcast since you wrote this wonderful uh, review. It gave and... us a huge boost. Like oh. it, Every time we get one of these, and that one specifically, it was just like made me super jazzed to make the next episode. Ed gets it. Let's do it for Ed. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps up today. Thank you to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit to either agree with us or vehemently disagree with us. And and thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening and what is one half games. of a quarter of two ninths of three sevenths? Is 84. that a real Riddle. I'm just on riddle.com. Ah.